Thank you, a couple of you. <laughs> you know, there's always, always something that Satan tries to do to distract us in our worship, right? And it's funny that in a song called Waymaker, and I found with this when it comes to Satan, let me turn this on before I get yelled at. One of the best ways when he tries to, because you know what, Satan, Satan can't create anything on his own. He just distorts, he just disrupts. So I like to try to disrupt his disruptions. And it was kind of humorous to me that when we were literally singing the words, even when I can't see it, God is working, we couldn't see the screen. The screen had gone black. So nice try, Satan. I found that funny. <laughs> Especially since we followed that song up by still singing the praises about how great our God is. Amen? There's nothing, if technology fails us, who cares? The church existed for years without technology. We can still sing without it. We can still praise him without it. God is still God no matter what. And that's a good thing. And it was a great thing for Moses. <laughs> and it's a great thing for us. The, the title of this for Moses is called The Unremarkable. Because for so many of us, it's easy when we think of Moses, what comes to our mind? We think of who he becomes after this story. We think of Moses, staff in hand, standing before the Pharaoh. I think of the old, the wonderful animated movie, The Prince of Egypt, right? That's how all of us, people my age, learned about Moses outside of church, right? I think of him throwing that staff down and becoming a snake. We think of him putting his staff in the ground and God parting the Red Sea. We think of Moses as this huge, powerful leader, but that's not the man we find in this story. Because Yes, he had a remarkable childhood, <laughs> raised in the Egyptian palace, but this is some 40 years after he escapes and flees from Israel. He's around 80 years old at this point when the story begins. How many of you, if you're old enough, are the exact same person you were 40 years ago? <laughs> no one. I haven't even made it there yet, praise God. Um, but <laughs> I definitely won't have been the same person I was as a newborn when I turned 40. And Moses, at this point, was a pretty unremarkable man. He wasn't a prince of Egypt anymore. He's a shepherd and a husband and a father, and that's it. And yet God's going to take him and do something incredible with him. I picture someone from my own family that I grew up with. I had a great uncle named Uncle Gene. I, growing up, only really ever saw Uncle Gene when it would be Christmas time, and Christmas Eve, and that side of the family would all get together, and Uncle Gene would always come and to me, growing up, he was always very unremarkable. He was one of the most soft-spoken men I'd ever met in my life. And one thing I did appreciate about Uncle Gene was he almost said nothing. And the very few times I'd see him, he would keep his mouth shut. He'd sit there and he'd listen. But the very few times, you'd always perk up and listen because he was either going to say something incredibly wise or incredibly funny and sarcastic, which spoke to me. So I just thought that's the kind of man Uncle Gene was until my dad revealed to me what Uncle Gene did on his spare time. Uncle Gene, when he was alive, was one of the most widely known uh, travelers and speakers in the AA group, especially there in North Carolina, and would travel all across the country. See, alcohol um, addiction had almost ruined his life, and God broke him free of that. And then my Uncle Gene, this man that I almost never heard speak, <laughs> was always asked to go and stand in front of crowds of who knows how many people to share what God did in his life in freeing him from that addiction. And I remember just being like, I can't imagine that. <laughs> this man that I almost never heard speak, when he got up in front of a, a group of people to do what God had called him to do, was suddenly able to do it. 
And that's who I think about with the story of Moses. Moses does have this very incredible encounter with God, speaking to him in the burning bush. And I want you to uh, think about this. God calls Moses to something, and this is what we're going to talk about this morning. God calls Moses to an incredible calling on his life. And for all of us, especially if we're Christians, I'm sure all of us at some point want to say the same thing. God, what is it that you are calling me to do in my life? But let me caution all of us, be careful when you ask that question. Because you might be surprised with what God tells you. He might call you to something that is a little different or a little more challenging than you're expecting. I, I find this humorous when I was preparing for this. We very recently, earlier this year, went over talking about spiritual gifts and gospel groups and talking about with uh, our small groups, with the youth group, learning what our spiritual gifts are and things God has made us good at to go and use for his glory. And he does. But here's the fun part about God. He loves to take us and make us realize things that we're good at and then say, cool, do something different. <laughs> and I love that because then he makes us have to rely on him. So it, asks, it brings about a natural question for us. And the question is this, how can we obey God's difficult callings on our lives? Because I promise you, you at some point, God's going to call you to do something you don't feel ready for. No, it's not going to be the same thing God called Moses to. It might not be full-time vocational ministry. It might, die, might not be being a missionary for his gospel. But at some point, he's going to call you to do something that's going to be difficult. So how in the world can we actually do that? How do we obey God in those moments? Well, here's the point I want us to be thinking about as we move throughout this sermon. It's this. We can obey God's calling when we surrender ourselves to him. We're going to see Moses struggle with this. We're going to see uh, and think about our own lives, and I can guarantee if you pay attention, you'll identify with Moses a lot <laughs> in this passage. Moses was struggling to let go of himself and surrender to God, but this is how we can obey those callings in God's, uh, that God puts on our lives. So let's take a look at the passage together. Learn from Moses' responses to God and see what we can do to obey him. Now, as Alex said before he read the passage, yes, right before this, if you just glance there, we have a really cool moment where Moses asks a very reasonable first question. He's like, hey, if I'm supposed to go and say the God of all the Jews wants me to set them free, it's a fair question. What's your name? <laughs> Who are you? And God reveals his incredible holy name. He says, I am that I am. And our English Bibles translate that as, or the Hebrew translates to Yahweh, God's holy name. Now, we could do an entire sermon on just those two words. Alex already did. Um, you can go look that back up on the website. But I, I want us to come back to that. That's going to be a crucial point at the end of our sermon, but I want you to hold on to that. But it's what Moses does next, because next Moses raises his first objection, Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. And he says, look, they're just going to look at me and say that I'm lying. Why would they believe me? And there's a few good reasons for Moses to think this way. Moses had been away from Egypt for quite some time. I said earlier, at this point, Moses is not someone remarkable. Yes, he had a good education there in Egypt. He was taught the language, all of those things. But this is over 40 years later. 
where he's just lived in a small village as a shepherd. No more formal education, no more Egyptian language, just living this very simple shepherd life. The people there probably won't remember, at least recognize his face. He has no standing with the Hebrews, certainly. The Jewish people don't know who Moses is. If anything, it'll, if he comes back, they'll be like, hey, that's the guy that murdered that guard. <laughs> that's the only thing most of them will remember him for. And if he goes back to the Egyptians, hey, that's the guy that murdered our guard. <laughs> and so Moses has a lot of reasons to feel insecure here. He's thinking, God, who am I to be someone, to be your leader of the people, to come in and say and demand, first off, to tell the Israelites, hey, God wants me to be the leader. And then for the Egyptians, hey, I want my people back. God said, get rid of all of your slaves. He wants his people back. Moses says, who am I to do that? Not only that, are they even going to believe my story? Okay, Moses, let's say you're right. Who told you that? Well, the God of the Jews, his name is Yahweh, and he spoke to me in a bush that was on fire, but the bush wasn't burning up. It was just on fire. Okay, crazy person, you can leave now. See, Moses had some reasons to doubt himself with this. But Moses needed to understand something that all of us need to understand. We all have different doubts and insecurities about who we are. And any pastor you can ask has asked the question that I I always go back to that old Casting Crowns song, Who Am I? Right? Y'all remember that song? It was a long time ago. Man, it makes me feel old. But anyway... But to ask myself, who am I to stand before you today to share God's word with you? Who am I to be just an under-shepherd of God's people, to think that I have any right to stand and preach God's word to you? We ask ourselves that every time we come before this pulpit, don't we? And it's a humble calling. And some of you might be thinking, God, if you've called me to do something for your kingdom, who am I? But this is a lesson that Moses had to learn. And it is this, that obeying God means looking past our insecurities, and then I actually, the, what you have in your notes, I, I do apologize for this, that was an unfinished version of my document, so I apologize, add the last words there. Obeying God means looking past our insecurities and looking to God. We can get real caught up when we look at our own personal insecurities and our doubts. That's a, Again, I can promise this, that's a struggle every pastor has every single week and every single Sunday morning when we get up here. If we sound confident, cool, that's on accident, (laughs) or that's only from God, because we all have insecurities. Moses said, who am I to actually do this? Are they going to listen to me? So God gives him a great reminder. What does God do? He says, Moses, stop thinking about you, because yeah, you're just a shepherd, and that's why I chose you, but if they don't trust you, show them who they can trust. Show them what I can do, not what Moses can do, If Jordan can get up and speak a good sermon, it's nothing because of Jordan, it's because of God. The fact that my Uncle Gene could get up as quiet and soft-spoken as he was and point so many people to freedom from addiction was nothing to do with Uncle Gene, but everything to do with what God did through him. God said, Moses, let me show you something cool. You see that staff in your hand? You just use that for sheep. Let me show you what I can do with it. Put it on the ground and it becomes a snake. And I love Moses here. He's talking to God. He's seeing a miraculous burning bush happen. As soon as he sees a snake, he does what any sensible person does and he hides. <laughs> He's like, oh no, even though God was like, I'm doing this. And God says, no, no, no. Grab the snake by the tail, which you're not supposed to do. 
right? And he does. And then he says, Moses, do something else. Put your hand inside of your cloak. And when he pulls it out, it's so diseased and leprous that his hand looks as white as snow. That would have been terrifying for Moses in that moment. And God says, don't worry, put it back in. Pull it back out and it's safe. Moses, if you want people to trust me or trust what you're saying, don't rely on what they're going to think of you in the first place. And Christian, if you're worried about your own insecurities, your own doubts, it's not about you. Because at the end of the day, some of you, especially if you're new, might not know enough about me anyway. And maybe I can't convince you by Jordan's abilities and by Jordan's past, so let me tell you what my God has done in the past. I can show you what God has done in his word through the lives of countless saints, and I can show you the miracles that he's performed in my lives and the lives of so many others. It's not about my doubts or my insecurities. It's all about what God can do for us. Let us keep our focus on who God is, not our own insecurities and our own doubts. But sadly, Moses still wasn't ready to obey, and so he raised another question. He says this, it'll be up on the screen again. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. No one quite knows exactly what was wrong with Moses here. The literal Hebrew says that he was heavy or dull of mouth. That's what it says. The, the different scholars have come up with different uh, ideas for what this might be. The, the Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint translated that as a stutter. So a lot of people think that Moses may have had a stutter. Very well could have been. Some people think it was just he was scared of speaking in front of a ton of people. He's not a good public speaker. Many of us aren't. That could have been it. Some people say maybe it was because he was worried that he no longer knew the Egyptian language. If he's going to stand up before Pharaoh and speak to Pharaoh about letting the people go, he's going to need a command of that language. Whatever it was, though, here was the problem. He looks at God and says essentially this, I can't do this because I am unable to. This takes, it moves away from insecurities and doubts and moves into his inabilities. It's not, hey, I don't think I can do this. It's now, I can't do this. God, you've chosen someone who is not equipped for this. This is why I love the passage that Alex read earlier when it says God makes the equipped. It's a pretty cliche calling, but I think every pastor loves this. God doesn't call the equipped. You can probably fill in the blanks. He equips the called. None of us were ready for this when he calls us into full-time ministry, but he makes us ready for this. Amen, Alex. Right? We weren't ready for that, but God does that through him. Moses looks at God and says, I can't do it. And we can all relate to that. Have you ever been asked to do something from your parents, your job, your family, to do something that you were not prepared or able to do? They don't look at you and say, all right, well, or not necessarily. Sometimes they give you training, but sometimes it's just, all right, We need you. Go and do it. And you're left to figure it out. Well, luckily, God doesn't do that with us. He equips us to do that. I think back to another example from my childhood. I remember as a teenager, there was a Sunday night service at the church I grew up at, and there was a man who was coming to do our special music, and he was coming specifically to sing to our church. Now, my friends and I, we didn't know what to think. We'd never heard of this guy before, but we all loved music. We were all really excited for him to come in. And he gets there, and after the pastor introduces him, he gets up there. And as soon as he starts speaking, 
we start cringing. Because, like possibly Moses had, this man had a debilitating stutter. He could not get through a single full sentence without a very heavy stutter. And so all of us were sitting there. I'm a teenager. We're judgmental. We're mean, right? We're sitting there, and we're, <laughs> we are. Uh, Alex actually graciously taught to my middle schoolers at Anderson Christian School this week, and he saw how they interact with me <laughs> there, right? And so we're just cringing, and I'm thinking, okay, I was excited to hear a guest singer, and he can't even get through. This is going to be rough. Was this just like a sympathy thing? Did we invite him to, you know, let him do something for the Lord? This is going to be really rough. But then he started singing. And let me tell you, not only was his voice beautiful, but the entire song that he sang, there wasn't a hint of a stutter, a stumble, nothing. See, he realized something. He realized that despite his physical and, and speech impediment, that God had given him a gift and had blessed him with the art of singing. And he said, I don't care what I sound like when I talk to people. I'm going to use this gift and I'm going to sing for God's glory. And he traveled. That's when I discovered that he, this wasn't a surprise to my pastor. It was a cruel joke he played on the rest of us. Um, but this guy would travel church to church to do that very thing. And that meant he had to get up and talk about himself and face that stutter every single time. But he knew that God gave him what he needed to do that. And that's what Moses needed. Moses looks at God and says, I can't do this. But God tells him to do something regardless. And this is what we need to learn from this. It's the next point in this. How do we obey God when we feel like we can't do it? Obeying God means trusting him despite our inabilities. It's not about what you can't do. Once again, it's about what God can do. That man said, I might not be able to speak, but God can still use me to do something incredible. Look at God's response. God says, okay, Moses, you can't speak well, but who made your tongue in the first place, Moses? It was me. And you're going to go, and I will be with you. He says, the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute, deaf, or seeing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. God says, Moses, once again, take your eyes off of what you're trying to do and what you're uh, capable and able to do. He says, go and do simply what I have called you to do and trust that I will give you the power to do it. We're not called to think and prepare, or we're called to prepare, but we're not called to think that we're just going to magically be able to do everything that he calls us to do. He says, go, and we go. It makes me think of the prophet that obeyed God in a much better way here at the start when you think of the prophet Abraham. You remember when his name was still Abram? We get a very small but beautifully simple introduction to Abram. Again, when we think of Abraham, we always think of the later Abraham. We don't really take our minds to the beginning. We think of the wonderful prophet and leader that he became. But do you remember the very humble beginnings? And actually, if you do some research, and especially go all the way to Hebrews in the New Testament, you find out Abram was an idol worshiper when God called him, which I think is pretty ironic, right? And all we get in the book of Genesis is God speaks to Abram and says, The Lord said to Abram, Go to a land of which I will show you. Take your family, pick it up, everything, and go. And he doesn't do what Moses does here. The Bible simply says, the very next verse, So Abram got up and went. He had no prior 
preparation. He had no ability. He hadn't been seminary trained. <laughs> he had just met this god. <laughs> he was worshiping a moon goddess, if you want to get real specific, <laughs> before this point. He had no prior preparation, but God said, go and I will show you where you're going to go. I will be with you. You want the best encouragement and the best way to know how to trust God despite your own inabilities? Know that he promised to be with you. See, we can do our best to prepare you. The podcast that Alex does can do a great job of preparing you to answer questions that other people might give you. But it, are you going to remember every single word that Alex tells you in the podcast if you get into a conversation with a friend or a coworker? No. It's not going to look good if they ask you a tough question and you go, hang on, Alex has a res- an answer for that. Let me, go- let me find the, the, the podcast with the answer. No. But you don't have to worry about that because God says, I will be with you. I will give you the words to speak. You don't have to worry about it, Moses. I'm with you. So we can obey God when we trust him despite our inabilities. See, what happens next is, I I don't want to pass this before we get to the last point here, because Moses is going to show us the heart of the issue here, right? But Moses was so worried about his own weaknesses that he forgets the God that was talking to him. I'm going to skip one of the, the passages there, Emily, so my apologies there. But I want us to look at 2 Corinthians 12.10, when Paul was dealing with his own thing. Paul, when you read his writings, has his own insecurities, his own inabilities, his own weaknesses, a lot of them. He mentions a thorn in his flesh that bothers him in his ministry, and he never tells us what it is, but he acknowledges his weaknesses. But in 2 Corinthians 12.10, he says something beautiful. He says this, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is something that Paul understood. Paul had a lot of insecurities from his past. He had a lot of inabilities in what he would do in God's ministry, but he understood that it's not about his personal weakness. It's about what God does through him. Because the very last thing that Moses does here is we see the real heart of the matter. He didn't trust God, despite his inabilities. He held on to those insecurities. And here's the heart of the matter. Moses says this, one final objection. Moses says to God, I don't want to do it. You know what the passage is there? He says, very short. But he said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. There it is, the heart of it. God answers all of his questions with miraculous results. Moses, you don't feel like you're good enough, the right person for the job? That's okay. Look at these miracles that I will do through you. Oh, you don't think that you're able to do it? That's okay. I created your tongue. I can do with it what I please. But now Moses says, I just don't want to do it. (laughs) Please send someone else. Now, surely none of us would ever have that response to God, (laughs) right? We're really good as Christians at saying to God, God, thank you for all of the missionaries. And God, we know that there's so many people out there that need to hear your word. So I pray that you would raise up missionaries. That's always the word we Baptists use, that term, right? God, that you would raise up missionaries somewhere else, in some other church or some other household, in some other family. (laughs) Anybody else, God, please do that. Amen. (laughs) 
We never really think that it might be us or whatever it is, whether it's missionary work, pastor work, or just sharing the gospel with the person that works next to you or lives next to you. It's way too often we say, oh my Lord, send someone else. But what leads someone to have that kind of response to God? See, Moses keeps looking at God and he's making all these excuses. God's clearly giving him a call. And Moses makes excuse after excuse. God keeps giving him answers. God gives him, or Moses gives him an excuse. But at some point, we have to stop making excuses and start obeying. Because we can make excuses for days, but our excuses don't excuse us from obeying God's call. I didn't write that. Sounds really good, though. (laughs) But our excuses do not excuse us from obeying God's call. See, all of us have been called to do something. If you are a Christian, then you told God that you surrendered your life to him. That you were committing yourself to him on that day. I got saved at a young age. I was seven years old when I got saved. And on that Sunday night, I committed my life to God. As a young child, I said to him, no matter what you have for me, I will do it. You want to know how we avoid Moses' mistake here? It's the last point here. Is that obeying God means following through with our commitments. Moses here needed to follow through with what God was doing, and he just simply didn't want to. And see, there's something really amazing that I had actually never discovered through my myriad of times of reading through and teaching this story. And I, I remember sharing it with Alex. I like ran into his office, and I was like, Alex, I found a thing, and it's really cool. And I think it gives us a really good glimpse into Moses' mindset of why he could keep making these objections to God despite physically talking to God. And I think it can give us a glimpse into our own mindsets. Do something with me here. Look in your Bibles again at this passage. And I want you to look at verses 10 and then verses 13 and 14. I want you to physically look on those pages here. Verses 10 and then verses 13 through 14. If you've never noticed this before, it's pretty cool. Look at the way the word Lord is written. Verse 10 says, But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then go to verses 13 and 14. Verse 13 says this. I'm putting Emily through her paces back there. Verse 13 says this. But he said, O my Lord, please send someone else. And the next verse says, in verse 14, Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Do you notice something different about the way the word Lord is written there? Anybody? You can actually answer back. I'm a teacher of middle schoolers. Does anybody notice how it's written, how it's different? Sometimes it does say the Lord, but especially before the Lord, the, sometimes all the letters are capitalized in the word Lord. And other times they're not. See, our English translations do something really cool um, with this to teach us something and show us something special. Don't forget, I said we were going to come back to this. At the very beginning, Moses asks God, what is your name? And God says, my name is I am. The Hebrew word for that name is Yahweh. And that, whenever our English translations, there's reasons for this. Alex, do a podcast later. Um, But when they do this, when they're writing Yahweh, they use the word Lord in all caps. Right? So whenever you see that, L-O-R-D in all caps, that's Yahweh. 
But whenever there's the, the lowercase, the Lord, the L might be capital, but the rest is lowercase, that's a different word. It's a more generic name or title for God, and that word is Adonai. The thing is, that word could also be used in a lowercase l, like if the, whenever you see a lot of prophets talking to kings, even if they were pagan kings, they would say, oh my lord. They're not calling them God. That's a term for like a master, someone that's above them, and they would use that term. So the all caps lord is a much more significant thing. And don't miss here that Moses had just heard that name. And he'd even said it himself. Hey, well, if I'm going to tell them that Yahweh has sent me, they're not going to believe me. But notice what Moses does in his objections. In verse 10, how does he write it? Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent. Which one does he use? Adonai. When he says, send someone else, <laughs> he says, oh my Lord, Adonai, just send someone else. This whole time, Moses knows God's holy name of Yahweh, but when he keeps making his excuses and eventually his objection, he leaves that name behind. And he's using a lesser version of that name because this is what Moses and what all of us need to remember. Moses was talking to the great I Am. And I love that that's the name that God gives himself because put yourselves in Moses' shoes. Every objection we make to God, God, my past makes me too insecure. I'm not good enough. God, I can't do it. I am not smart enough. I can't do public speaking. I can't remember all the things the Bible says. I can't do these things. God, send someone, anyone else than me. I can't go and fulfill this calling. So what does God remind Moses? And what did Moses forget every time he said God's name during these objections? God says, you know what, Moses, that's okay. You can't, but I am. Your past makes you feel insecure. You're not good enough. I know. I am. Moses, you're not equipped to do it. You can't speak well enough. You don't feel equipped to do this. That's okay. I am. And Moses, you're saying you want me to send someone else just remember that the I am is with you. And Christian, if you have felt that calling that God has placed on your life and you've been making these same objections, these same excuses to God, don't make the same mistake. Don't make a lesser version of God in your mind be the one that you're talking to. Because when I'm objecting to God, that's what I've done. I'm not using Yahweh in my mind. It's God, I know. Remember who we're talking to, the creator of all the universe that loved us so much that he sent Jesus, his son, to be the savior of the world, to take the punishment for our sins, to die on the cross, to rise from the dead, to save you and me. He's the one that says, I am with you. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I can do. It doesn't matter who I am. It matters that the I am is with me. So let that be an encouragement for you, no matter what that call is. So as we go into this time of closing, in just a moment, I'm going to come down. Um, Joseph and Alex and I will be standing down in the front. And especially before, we're, we're going to have a time to prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper, but especially on a day like today, where we're going to be introspective, thinking about our own sins. Don't be bogged down by those. Yes, confess them to God. 
rid those sins from your heart and from your life, but don't let those excuses you might be making hold you back from doing whatever God has done because he promises to be with you. So let's pray.